trigger warning. The following episode contains references to sexual content, human suffering, death, factual inaccuracies, several entitled people making light of all these things. If any of the aforementioned topics cause you discomfort, you may want to listen to a different episode. Video games don't incite violence. Plane thefts, on the other hand. I'm Kelly. I'm getting sick of these motherfucking Caymans on this motherfucking Cessna. I'm Adam. George, George, George of the... I'm Andy. My instruments are saying we're entering a cloud of bees! I'm Sean, and this is Acid Pop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Today, we're going to be talking about commercial air travel. I've done that. <laughs> Probably most people have. You know, with product placement. Mm-hmm. It does these days. They, like, try to sell you credit cards at the end of the flight. <laughs> God, I hate that so much. <laughs> so commercial is a relatively new word. It comes from the 1680s, and it means to engage in trade, which makes sense. Yeah. Air is from Greek air, but with an E instead of an I, and it means mist, haze, or clouds. Clouds? And as we learned in our early space travel episode, travel comes from Middle English traveling, meaning to make a laborious journey. I'm traveling. So engaging in trade to laboriously move through the clouds. It's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Aviophobia is the fear of flying, from Latin avis, meaning bird. This differs from ornithophobia, which is the actual fear of birds. See our <laughs> birds episode for more on that one. So, is aviophobia any sort of flying, like from hang gliders to airplanes? I think so. I mean, I'm sure if you have it, you can You can pick your favorite. But, uh, yeah. Spontaneous supermaning. <laughs> Just falling down. Bright burning. <laughs> Jumping slightly. <laughs> ah! I'm flying! Oh. <laughs> so we're on to our acid pop quiz. True or false, the FAA requires pilots to eat different meals while flying. I think that's Ooh. true. That sounds true. Is it like the airplane law? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the Leslie Nielsen protocol. <laughs> Just want you to know, we're all counting on you. <laughs> I, I, I believe this one. Yeah. Well, this is False. Though it is actually a rule for most airlines. It's just not an official one of the FAA. Ah. <laughs> so, flight attendants must be a certain height. Ooh, that sounds false to me, but it would make their life so much easier. I, I, I don't know if I've ever met a short flight attendant. Well, I was thinking if they were too tall, they'd just look like a monster, like hunched over the whole time. <laughs> don't you want to learn from giving you your drink? <laughs> Do you like diet? <laughs> ah, okay, yes, please. <laughs> It seems like they might have to reach things for, like, emergencies and stuff and oh. open bins and things. So I'm going to say that's true. Mm-hmm. They need to be a certain height or have a certain vertical leap. <laughs> they have a six-foot vertical leap. <laughs> so, yeah, this is true. Flight that attendants have to be between five foot three and six foot one. So, Andy, you what? can't be a flight attendant. Shit! <laughs> That's 160 centimeters up to 183 centimeters. What if he slouches? I do. <laughs> None of the uniforms would fit you, Andy. Mm-hmm. 
So this is so they can reach the overhead bins and get around without having to crouch. There is also weight requirements so that they can fit up and down the aisles, though these vary based on height. So it's sort of like a BMI thing. Okay. Those aisles are getting narrower and narrower. <laughs> it's true. Well, you don't want the, the plane to list with the drink cart. <laughs> <laughs> so true or false, a passenger or flight attendant has had to land a plane because the pilot was incapacitated. That sounds true. I'm sure it's happened at some point. It happened on stakes in a plane. <laughs> the historical like document. That only happens in movies. Mm. I say false. So this happened a couple of times in private planes, but no commercial flight has ever been landed by someone besides the pilot. Eh, at least not successfully. So airplanes don't have a row 13. I don't remember. Mm. I'm going to say it varies from airline to airline. Just like hotel, yeah. to, hotel to hotel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm with Andy on that one. That seems yep. good. Yep, you guys are right. It depends on the airline, but a lot of times this is true. Also, row 17 is kind of an unlucky number in Europe, so sometimes they don't have that one either. Do they exclude row 4 in Japan and China? <laughs> I don't know. Didn't read that part. So true or false, frozen liquids can be taken through security. I mean, if I can bring any solid on board, then if my liquid is now a solid, I don't see <laughs> why not. They won't even let me bring Nutella. <laughs> Look, I got screened for commander decks, so no. Yeah, the I'm going to say no. Uh, this is true. What? So long as the whole thing is frozen solid, it doesn't count as a liquid and gets to go through a TSA <laughs> checkpoint. Gotcha. Okay. So freeze what you want and just drink or shake off any liquids before heading through. But just a PSA, if you play Magic the Gathering and have sleeve cards in a deck, remove them because they think they're bomb components. Really? Because <laughs> I'd never been stopped when I brought my Xbox through. No, but did you bring a commander deck through? <laughs> Xbox has actual components and electronic bits. I get stopped every time for my bag of trail mix. <laughs> it's like, I'm not saying I couldn't form plastic explosives into little peanuts and M&Ms, yes. but it's probably more work than it's worth. Hey, buddy, <laughs> did you candy coat a bunch of C4? <laughs> <laughs> So we're on to our fill in the blank. What is the longest flight you can take? I'll accept oh, I, time or distance. Is this, oh, shit, for people or pilots? Uh, the the, the long, longest flight. So like a plane takes off. How far does it go or how long does it like fly until it lands? I've been 14 hours, so I'm going to say that. <sighs> I don't think Andy's been on the longest flight ever to exist. So I'm going to say Calling you out. 18 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what, what was your 14-hour flight? Where did it go? Uh, I've been on two, from here to England and from here to Japan. Like what part of the country to England? Uh, Florida. Okay. And then San Francisco to Japan. Hmm, those, I imagine the San Francisco to Japan would be very, very long. No, San Francisco to Japan wasn't long. We got drunk and watched Wild Hogs. <laughs> uh, I'll say 20. Hmm. Well, Kelly's the closest without going over. Damn. This flight travels 9,534 miles or 15,343 kilometers, and it takes 18 hours and 30 minutes. Wow. Dang. Now, about two thirds of this plane is composed of business class seats that can easily convert into beds, but the last third is just regular old seats like you'd find on any plane. Oh, God. Imagine sitting in that cramped plastic seat for 18 hours. Does it have a charger for my Switch? <laughs> no. Quiet livestock. No. Personally, I'd follow a business class passenger into the bathroom, skin them, and then wear their skin so I could have their seat. 
<laughs> Hi, I'm Hellraiser. <laughs> so, how many non-military planes have disappeared without a trace? Including, like, private planes? I think so. Okay. Like Amelia Earhart. She'd count. Yes. I'm pretty sure. Lots. 30. 200. 500. Hmm. Well, Andy's close without outgoing Damn. over. 70. Wow. We're good at tracking planes. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Well, I, so I figure when it doesn't show up. <laughs> so where is the safest place to be sitting if the plane is crashing? In your home on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Unless your home is being crashed into yeah, by a plane. Unless that's under the plane. Uh, exit seat? I'd imagine... They make it like, safer because you have to open the door. Is Are you saying, like... If you stay in your seat the whole time, like just odds of surviving. Uh, I mean, I guess. Uh, what else would I be saying? <laughs> I mean, like if you're sitting next to the exit seat, maybe you could jump out. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is just statistics based on plane crashes. They look at the survivors and where they sat. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say the back. Exit seat. Cockpit doesn't count. Uh, no, but you could say the front. Uh, I'm going to say the front. It is the back. Yay. That part crashes last. <laughs> the... <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Think about it. The, the back, back of the meteor doesn't explode less. Yeah, but it gets slowed down by all the other stuff that it's crumpling into. Yeah. So statistically, the back of the plane has a 69% chance of survival versus 49% in the front and 56 in the middle. That's higher odds all across the board than I would have thought. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Yeah. I, I don't think I cover this anywhere, but looking at plane crashes, it's interesting because like... Most of the time, either no one dies or everyone dies. There's not really much in the middle. Well. So we're on to our terms. Who is George? He's the curious little monkey. <laughs> it's the name of the, the gremlin on the wing. It's the, uh, like the crash test dummy they use to test planes. <laughs> oh, God. Man, imagine building a whole plane just to crash it. <laughs> Bitchin'. <laughs> Bitching for $20 million. Yeah, well, just being the guy that gets to, like, hit the button. Boop. Like, it's a pyrotechnics down the runway, and the guy with the guitar <laughs> plays a riff. <laughs> in, in all honesty, though, doesn't George sound like he's, like, a cute little turtle in a flight attendant uniform, like, trundling <laughs> down the aisle? Aboard. <laughs> I got your ginger ale. Now, George is the autopilot. Oh. Okay. So when a pilot says, I'll let George fly, they're switching over to the autopilot. Of course, they use a male name. <laughs> they don't use that name in airplane, do they? They just call it autopilot. Yeah, I think so. It's been a long time since I've seen an airplane. I'll Maybe Georgia's short for Georgia. I'll tell you what, a thing about airplane is it's rated PG. Do not play it on a big screen in a bookstore because it does have big old titties in it. Yeah. <laughs> when have you done that? <laughs> what are gate lice? Gate lice. Mm-hmm. The people who stand up before their uh, boarding number is called. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. Thinking there's some sort of like parasite you get from like having to take off your shoes at the terminal. Mm. I think that's what just what they call people whose planes have like been canceled and delayed, and they're like staying overnight at the airport. <laughs> one too. They just become people that have to live in the walls. <laughs> They become Tom Hanks. <laughs> that was a good movie. Yeah. Yep. So Andy got it. It's people who crowd the gate before their group is called. Yay. Bastards. A locally called gate lice. I hate them. What is Crotch Watch? <laughs> Crotch Watch 2019. It's one of the gizmos that Q gave James Bond. We got a good one. Uh, no, Crotch Watch is, yeah, it's a news report about 
I don't know. Orlando Bloom's crotch? Is he still cool? <laughs> He's in a new show. Is he? Yeah, Good it's on him. Amazon Prime. Ooh. About fairies. English fairies. <laughs> oh, I was curious about that one. Um, crotch watch. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when flight attendants hear that someone's been masturbating on the plane and they have to go check it out. <laughs> they have to check like, everybody's crotch. No, I need to revise my answer. It's when flight attendants have to check to see if your uh, seatbelts are on. Uh, oh, that makes sense. Yep. Andy gets it again. Yay. No fair. Andy, <laughs> if only you weren't so tall, you'd be such a good flight attendant. <laughs> yeah, you'd be able to see everybody's crotch at once. Hey, <laughs> fucker. Put on your seatbelt. And that concludes our acid pop quiz. So we're on to our stories. There were two stories that got this idea into my head. The first was from April of 2018, when a Southwest Airlines flight had an engine explode mid-flight. Oof. A piece of debris flew out, struck a window hard enough to crack it, and the window blew out, taking all of the air, plus one passenger with it. Really? <laughs> Did they, like, plug the hole so that it wasn't a problem afterward? <laughs> Basically, yeah. Explosive decompression doesn't normally do that. Yeah. So Jennifer Riordan had her window seat turn into a scenic window seat, her <laughs> wing seat, as she was partially sucked out of the plane. There's something on the wing. It's terrifying. She, she snagged halfway and some heroic passengers managed to haul her back in. God. Unfortunately, she got cut up pretty bad from either engine debris or her brief exit, and she died as the pilot brought the plane in. Oh, I thought, thought they brought her in or all her hair would be white from fright. <laughs> the lesson, don't sit over the wing. <laughs> but that's the only seat I ever get. <laughs> they are big wings. So the next story that inspired this episode is a local one from here in Seattle, from August of 2018, and this involves Richard Russell, a member of the ground crew for Horizon Air. I tried to find out something about what led up to what happened, but I really couldn't find anything. Clearly, something had gone wrong somewhere along the way, because on August 10th, he got into a plane and just kind of took off. (laughs) Bye! (laughs) The tower quickly got in contact with Russell, and several fighter jets hauled ass to catch the plane. Fighter jets? Yep. (laughs) Seriously, they broke Mach 1 to get up to the Puget Sound area to monitor his flight. And you can go listen to the recordings of Russell talking to the tower, and he sounds like a super nice, jovial guy, but he's basically saying that he just wanted to fly the plane around a bit and then crash it. (laughs) Oh, he said he wanted to crash it? Yeah. Oh. Several times. I've always wanted to be in a plane crash. (laughs) Since I was a young lad. He says he pretty much knows what he's doing on account of playing video games. And then he does loop-de-loops and barrel rolls while touring around the sound, all the while calmly chatting with the pilots on the line who are trying desperately to get him to land somewhere, anywhere. He actually, then he was able to just do it. He repeatedly apologizes for any trouble that he caused and says he doesn't want to hurt anyone. Towards the end, he says, I think I'm going to try and do a barrel roll. And if that goes good, I'm going to nose down and call it a night. He then does and basically steers down and crashes into a small island in the sound. Why? I don't know. Don't know. Did he survive the crash? Nope. Doesn't sound like he wanted to. Didn't have a seatbelt on. He very clearly did not want to survive this flight. But like he does not sound like a desperate man, like on his last, you know, nerve. He's just kind of like, oh, man, this is awesome. This is great. I wanted to do a barrel roll. That is suicidal people, though. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes. So here's a quickie. 
On May 2003, an American Airlines plane that wasn't being used was mothballed in Luanda, Angola. It had been sitting there for a year and Ben Padilla was running some maintenance on it when the plane pulled out onto the runway, sped up, and took off. No one could get in touch with the plane, and its transponder was turned off. The plane and Padilla haven't been heard from since. Hmm. It's suspected that there was some sort of drug trafficking going on, and he, like, loaded up with some drug cartels and took off, but no one really knows. We landed in San Juananeo. <laughs> Is it possible he was kidnapped by the plane? Maybe. Maybe he was kidnapped by <laughs> George. Help! Help me! This anthropomorphic plane from planes is taking me! <laughs> so our next story here. A small 19-seater plane was flying to the Democratic Republic of Congo when, according to onlookers, it started to drift back and forth like a leaf before crashing into a house, killing the pilot flight attendants, and 18 of the 19 passengers. Luckily, there was one survivor to explain why the plane suddenly turned into a drifting piece of paper instead of a plane. Well, Wash was driving it, and he was leafing the wind. (laughs) Apparently, they were flying along when a crocodile, who had been in the cargo hold at the back of the plane, escaped and made its way up the aisle. The flight attendants and passengers all bolted for the front, And this made the front way too heavy and the back way too light, causing the plane to dive dramatically. The pilot was heard to say, a ticking! (laughs) The pilot pulled up, but in doing so, killed all their momentum, and the plane dipped and swung back until it hit the ground. You can't kill those alligators needed for our president's moat. (laughs) They're precious, every single one of them. So on March 23rd, 1994, Aero Flight 593 was traveling from Moscow to Hong Kong, and apparently March 23rd is Bring Your Kids to Work Day. Don't know. <laughs> the pilot got to cruising altitude, activated George, and then let his 12-year-old sit at the controls and pretend to fly for a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all pretty buttons. <laughs> this went fine, so he swapped out his 12-year-old for his 16-year-old. He pretended to fly too, but he was a bit stronger than his sister, and apparently he leaned too hard on the stick, which turns off the autopilot. He pushed forward hard enough, George took five, and the plane (laughs) obeyed orders and pointed straight at the ground. The pilot jumped into his seat, pulled up, but again, he pulled up too hard, so he lost all his momentum and sent the plane into a corkscrew fall. Oh, good. The pilot managed to pull out of this, too, and leveled the plane out. But when he did, he was pointed straight at a mountain range and was all (laughs) out of trick. The plane plowed straight into the mountain, killing all 75 people on board. The cost of being a good father. (laughs) Next one here. July of 2009. Throwing the wedding bouquet over your shoulder has so been done. Hate it. A couple in Tuscany, Italy, decided to do something more original. Throw an airplane over their shoulder. (laughs) Drop 20,000 bouquets over the city of Tuscany. They hired a plane to fly over, and the bridesmaid would throw the bouquet out of the plane, most likely setting the most time between bouquet throwing and landing. (laughs) You're not going to catch it, though. Come on, guys. Probably not. The plane swooped overhead... Isidoro Pensieri threw open the door and threw out the bouquet. And herself. Promptly got sucked into the engine of the plane, (laughs) causing it to explode. (laughs) The plane went down hard in a field nearby, but amazingly, the pilot and bridesmaid both survived, though not without injury. Pensieri fractured both legs and a good deal of her head. 
But she got married to the pilot, so that's cool. <laughs> you feel like the pilot would do that math. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, independent pilot, you know. <laughs> so this next one is a stretch, but I had to include it. Uh, this episode is on commercial air travel, so I snuck this one in because a person was paying for flight les- lessons, which is a commercial venture. Flight instructor Linda Keith and her student Carl Terry took off in on Ocala, Florida in 1991. Shortly after takeoff, witnesses on the ground saw the plane break apart in the air, falling into pieces as it crashed to the ground. It looked like one of the wings had sheared off, causing the plane to crash, so authorities were all set to chalk it up to structural failure. But things weren't quite adding up. Item 1. Neither set of seat belts or shoulder harnesses were buckled at the time of the crash. Item Uh, 2. Oh. (laughs) The pilot seat was fully reclined. (laughs) Taking a nap? Taking a nap. Item three, both bodies were naked despite not going nearly fast enough or having a rough enough crash to rip clothing apart. Where it's much too warm in here to take a nap. (laughs) We fucked so hard we crashed a plane. (laughs) After a lengthy investigation, the National Transportation Safety Board released the determining cause of the accident as the pilot in command's improper in-flight decision to divert her attention to other activities not related to the conduct of the flight. In short, they fucking on a plane. (laughs) It's called airhead. They're out of control. (laughs) So the lesson, if you're going to join the Mile High Club, make sure neither participant is supposed to be flying a plane at the time. Now, George will fly it. Yeah. George is in on it, too. (laughs) It was a (laughs) three-way with the autopilot. So February 1996, and this is Bergen Air Flight 301, which took off from the Dominican Republic to Frankfurt, Germany. Before the flight, the plane had sat unused for a couple of days. As the plane was taking off, the pilot thought his airspeed indicator didn't look right, but the co-pilot was fine, so they carried on. Been replaced by cardboard. (laughs) Says 20. (laughs) Always. They were climbing and they let George take over, but George gets all his intel from the pilot gauges, not the (laughs) co-pilots. The pilot gauge said that they were going 350 knots or 400 miles per hour, 650 kilometers per hour, but the co-pilot said 200 knots or 230 miles per hour, 370 kilometers per hour. George was like, whoa, Nelly, we're going fast and pulled up to lose some speed. The plane stalled out and George said, I don't know what's going on. You guys handle it. Goodbye. (laughs) The pilot took back over and hit the gas, uh, but stalled out as they were. The engines couldn't get enough air moving to generate thrust. One engine gave out, but the other managed to get up and going. If you are more or less stationary in the sky and one side of your plane goes full bore while the other does nothing, that spins the plane like a top. (laughs) Huzzah! (laughs) Dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. (laughs) The plane cartwheeled into the ocean below, killing all 189 people on board. As you do. I'm starting to see why they never let us use the autopilot on the ship. (laughs) You were a good enough autopilot, sleepy boy. (laughs) This is why you're always patient when they say, we have to delay your flight due to technical difficulties. (laughs) You don't want to rush that. So the broken speedometer was definitely the problem, and when the aviation officials looked into it, they found that a colony of wasps had built a nest in the instrument. How hateful they are. (laughs) (laughs) Bottom my nest, will you? It's getting a weird buzzing from the equipment. <laughs> I'm being stung by my uh, by my instruments. <laughs> 
I opened up the AC panel and nothing but bees poured out. <laughs> I feel like this is a problem. Is that weird? <laughs> so July 1999, a flight took off from Tokyo headed to Sapporo. Two minutes after takeoff, a man pulled out an 8-inch or 20-centimeter knife, grabbed a flight attendant, and said to take him to the cockpit. That's not a knife. That's not <laughs> how you get sex. She did, and once he had gained access, he told the pilot, Listen, I've been playing a lot of flight simulator, and I've gotten pretty dang good. I wanted to try my hand at flying a real plane. Also, I have this knife. <laughs> the pilot said, um, no. So the man stabbed him and took over. <laughs> what about you, co-pilot? What's your answer? <laughs> no. <laughs> I gotta go to the bathroom. He promptly dipped the plane to less than 1,000 feet or 300 meters from the ground, at which point the co-pilot grabbed some reinforcements from the passengers and they overwhelmed the man. You should have done that in the fucking first place. I think he did. They regained control of the plane and landed safely, but the pilot died of his injuries. So what we're learning at this point is don't trust people who use flight simulators. Yeah. They get too into flying. Um. Microsoft license? No, the, the Nintendo one. Oh, Pilot uh, Wings? Pilot Wings. Yeah. No, the older one. Pilot Wings. The one that you just played the other day. Ye oldie Pilot Wings. <laughs> Can't think of the name of the game. It's based on a movie. You have to land on the aircraft carrier. Top Gun. Top Gun. Uh, no, but seriously, they're just about to re-release Flight Simulator. Yeah. <laughs> Putting all of us at risk. <laughs> I feel like that might be dangerous. <laughs> so this next one is bonkers. June 1990, British Airways Flight 5390 took off from Birmingham headed to Spain. Unbeknownst to the crew, the recently replaced windshield had been installed incorrectly. When the plane hit 17,000 feet or 5,000 meters, the windshield blew out and away, causing instant decompression. The pilot and co-pilot had just finished loosening their straps to settle in for a relaxing flight. So So pilot Tim Lancaster was sucked out. With superhero-level reflexes, flight attendant Nigel Ogden grabbed Captain Lancaster's belt. Oh, jeez. But his whole torso was outside the plane, slamming into it like a drum roll. (laughs) As the co-pilots brought the plane in for an emergency landing, Ogden was getting frostbite on his hands and starting to pass out from lack of oxygen. Oh, no shit. He was relieved by chief flight attendant John Howard, who took a shift holding on to the plane's gross new flag. (laughs) Is that guy's name John John Howard? I think it was just John. I just, I spelled it weird. So it took me a while to get it out. It's a cool name though. (laughs) The co-pilots brought the plane down safely, but as emergency services rushed onto the runway, they saw the captain's limp body at the head of a comet trail of blood across the plane. Christ. (laughs) Amazingly, Captain Lancaster survived the ordeal. And in pictures after the fact, I honestly can't say he looks any the worse for wear. I was going to say, how many fingers did he lose? (laughs) None. He actually was off for, I think, five months, and then he went back to being a pilot. I think he, uh, like, bought the flight attendant a car. Oh, man, I hope so. (laughs) He always, like, gives the windshield a good punch before he takes off now. (laughs) But your co-pilot just like, (laughs) I'm the flash. (laughs) This next one's a good one. April 28th, 1988, Aloha Airlines Flight 243 took off from Hilo towards Honolulu. Everything went fine, and they were just about at cruising altitude when the captain heard a loud whoosh. Hmm. He turned around and saw blue sky behind him. (laughs) 
Um, turns out a seal on the door wasn't so sealy. And from the floor just under that door, up and around the roof to the floor on the other side, and 18 feet back of the ceiling just blew away. So he lost his whole cockpit. Well, it wasn't the cockpit. It was like from the where you get on the plane, like the door. Okay. From that door, 18 feet back, the whole ceiling was just gone. Yeah, turn it into a convertible. <laughs> yeah. So the captain fought to control the new convertible, and he made an emergency <laughs> landing in Maui. Well, those islands are so close together. It's all right. <laughs> the captain did great and landed a plane that you'd be hard-pressed to call aerodynamic. <laughs> 65 people were injured in the explosion, but the thing was, the entire island of Maui only had two ambulances. Oh, no. no. That's going to have to stack them. Time to the roof. (laughs) Volunteer tour buses rushed to the airport to ferry passengers to the hospital, only making two restroom stops and one meal break on the way. (laughs) I really like that story. In the end, everyone was okay except for one flight attendant named Clarabelle Lansing, who had been standing near the door when it left. She was sucked out and her body was never found. Or she was a witch and responsible for the whole thing. (laughs) She rode that door like a surfboard. (laughs) Hawaiian roller coaster, right? (laughs) So we've got one last crazy one here to wrap things up. August of 2005. Helios Airways Flight 522 was flying from Cyprus to Athens. The airplane came up to the Athens airport, but the tower couldn't get a response from the plane. It just kind of circled around the airport with the tower going, hello, did you want to land? Leaving you can land if you want. Surrender Dorothy. <laughs> <laughs> Surrender Heracles. <laughs> After trying 19 times, they sent up a couple of fighter jets to see what the heck was going on. They got up there and kind of peeked inside, and it looked like everyone was sleeping peacefully. Oh, good. (laughs) Except for one very frantic flight attendant. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's a JFK Jr. situation. It turns out that when the plane landed in Cyprus, it had a door with more ice on it than normal. So they thought it might have a leak. To check it, they switched the plane's pressurization system from auto to manual. (laughs) The door was fine, but then they kind of forgot to switch the system back to auto. Uh Uh-oh. While the plane prepared for takeoff, three separate warnings should have alerted the pilot to the problem. But I guess the message got lost in all those buttons and lights. (laughs) Just kept hitting the snooze. Ooh, the blue one's on. That's unusual. (laughs) The plane took off, and as it climbed, an alarm sounded warning the pilot of the malfunctioning pressure system. But that alarm sounds an awful lot like the takeoff configuration warning. And the pilot was like, I'm already in the air. I don't have to worry about no dang takeoff <laughs> configuration. And he switched it off. <laughs> Look, they were having a sale on the same type of alarm for everything. <laughs> As the plane climbed and the pilot handed the controls over to George, the air pressure dropped to dangerous levels. The plane's final try was to alert the captain to the fact that the AC wasn't working on account of not having enough air to move. The pilot, now thoroughly suffering from hypoxia, which is the loopy, nonsensical state you enter if you don't have enough oxygen just before you pass out, radioed Cypress Tower and said, Hey, the cooling system no worky. (laughs) (laughs) No. The flight engineer cut straight to the heart of the matter and asked, Is your plane holding pressure? And the pilot responded, Where's the coolant circuit breakers? (laughs) 
And oh, then silent. <laughs> now, George can do a lot, but he can't land a plane on his own. So when he got to Athens, he just kind of started to circle around. Oh. Yeah. So we had every dead person and one panicking person. Well, they weren't dead. They were just passed out. Everyone on board went night-night, except for one quick-thinking steward named Andreas Prodromo, who grabbed a portable oxen shank and made for the cockpit. Thing is, after 9-11, a lot of planes installed locking bulletproof doors on the cabin no. so he couldn't reach the pilot. <laughs> the plane circled around for 70 minutes, and that whole time, Andreas was hammering at the goddamn door. <clears throat> he finally managed to break it down, push the limp captain out of the chair, waved at the fighter jets, and confidently took the controls, ready and able to guide the plane to the ground. Uh oh! Just then, one of the engines exploded due to lack of fuel, and the plane crashed to the ground. Why killing would it explode due to lack of fuel? Is that what engines are supposed to do when they run out of gas? <laughs> <laughs> My car's run out of gas. <laughs> we dance with the devil there. <laughs> oh yeah, we got a little light flash in here. <laughs> and that was the last of the stories that I had. I feel bad for that last flight attendant. Oh, he tried man. so hard. Yeah. He hammered for 70 minutes. And, and he could have left. It's bulletproof. Uh, yeah. Quote, unquote. He could have opened like a side escape door. No. No? You can't do that if it's under pressure. You cannot. Yeah. It doesn't work unless it's on the ground. So, yeah. He was stuck. <laughs> he just was trapped in that nightmare. Circling around here. hammered at a bulletproof door until it opened. Yeah. Smashed through a door. And like if he'd have been maybe five minutes earlier, they probably could have gotten him down. Um, I suppose I can tell the time we were cut off from alcohol flying to Japan. <laughs> uh, our, our mutual friend, Justin and I, uh, and a couple other friends flew to Japan and we were, Justin had a, an uncle that was a pilot. So he got us really good rates. So we oh, only, yeah. we flew for like 50 bucks. Wow. wow. The whole, the, the trip to Japan cost us maybe $300. Jeez. Until you uh, calculated in the cost of alcohol? <laughs> no, the alcohol was free, as we found out. <laughs> um, that was their first mistake. <laughs> first off, so there's four of us. The other two got upgraded to first class because two first class people didn't show up and they were last two to board the plane. Wow. So they came to taunt us with their champagne. <laughs> but we had vouchers for alcohol from his uncle. And we kept on going up to them like, we'd like an alcohol, please. He's like, no, you don't understand. Alcohol is free. <laughs> this is good for one free alcohol. Like, in that oh, case, cool. I'll take ten. Except that all of the movies suck. <laughs> so we kept on drinking, and eventually, Wild Hogs came on. Uh, I, I believe it's a, a Tim Allen. Yeah, Tim Allen classic. Yeah. Oh no! And both Justin and I kept on going Wild Hogs. <laughs> Unfortunately, the next time we asked for alcohol, we were cut off, which is good because we both fell asleep soon after. You're done, Wild Hogs. Let me tell you something. I'll. <laughs> oh, no. I, I completely understood why they cut us off. <laughs> you just said fair, fair. <laughs> I mean, we are wild hogging all over the place. I remember taking a plane from. It, it was when I was going to like meet my first ship that was already on deployment. I took a plane from. I think it was Virginia to uh, Bahrain in the Middle East. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't continuous. I think we stopped in Ireland, uh, Italy on the way, but it it was basically a 24 hour flight, Oof. like with the stops. And I was like going 24 hours in a plane and then landing on basically the opposite uh, time zone 
uh, I was so confused with my sleep schedule. I remember I got to whatever room they had prepared for me. I passed out. I woke up. And it was barely light outside. I'm like, oh, the sun's coming up. It must be time for breakfast. And everywhere is open for dinner. And it's time to go to bed again. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up and say, I've been told by no less than three gay men that I'm adorable sleeping on a plane. That's a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, I when I was growing up, my parents lived on opposite sides of the country, basically. And I would fly back and forth a lot. So I've, I've flown... A lot more than your average person, though. There's definitely people who have flown more than me. But yeah, I mean, what I I didn't really go into it. But yeah, flying is just like super, super safe. And I've flown literally hundreds of times. And I really don't think I've ever had anything bad happen. The only yeah. thing that was kind of strange once was that me and Kelly were getting on a plane, I think, to go to Reno. And it's a really short flight. So they just give you one of those small prop jobs with, you know, just like, four yeah. seats. And for those, they, they're not tall enough to reach the, you know, the ramp. So you just walk down onto the tarmac. Yep. So how it works at this airport is you go down on the tarmac and then there's basically just like, go this way for that plane, go this way oh, for that plane. Oh, this time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so like oh. that is probably the least secure part of any airport encounter. Cause like there's just signs and that's all there is. There's no one around. So you could, you could in theory just wander onto a different plane. Yeah. And Kelly and I got on our plane and we get in and everybody's sitting down and the flight attendants are going through closing all the overhead bins and the pilots like, all right, we're getting ready to take off. And then another guy just comes up onto the plane <laughs> and the flight attendants are like, can I help you? He's like, no, I'm good. And he just walks past them and picks an empty seat and just plunks himself down. I'm going to Reno. Yeah, that's the secret to life is act like a man who's meant to go to Reno. And the flight attendants like go towards the front of the plane and they have a little meeting up there whispering <laughs> frantically to each other. And then the pilot's like, uh, turns out we've got a little bit of uh, extra paperwork we need to fill out. So it'll be just one more minute until we take off. And then we sat there for like 10 minutes and then two very burly security oh. guards oh. crouched into the plane like they could barely fit in the aisles. And they scooched down the aisle. And then a little while later, they came back down the aisle with that man between them and they got off. And then the pilot was like, all right, paperwork's all set. We're ready to go. No, you don't understand. I'm about to go to Reno. I'm a very easy flyer. My father is a very easy flyer. The rest of my family is not. Oh, yeah. So coming back from Europe when we went ages ago, Jesus, um, from it was like Los Angeles to Reno. Mm -hmm. We got had to get on a prop plane and my mother and both of my sisters like, <gasps> we're all going to die. It's a propeller plane. Like, I don't it's. I, I could it's the same that. dynamics. I, I could see that if you have anxiety with planes, like me and Mercy, we we were on a prop plane up to Seattle the last time, and I don't think I've ever done that. And it's based or compared to like There's more like, noise compared to like regular passenger planes. It feels like it's put together with with tape. Yeah, like but it, I've, it's, I've actually seen so duct tape trailing off a jet before yeah. when I've been <laughs> on there. <laughs> Sean and I won sixty bucks on a plane once. That's true. We did. Uh, just gambling, like somebody started a dice circle. Las Vegas plane. It was a Las Vegas plane. So we were flying to Reno. And a lot of times when you fly to Reno from anywhere else, because you Reno is small, park. you have to go through Vegas. Um, so we were flying into Vegas and from Chicago. And they 
flight attendant, this was a Southwest plane, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, the flight attendant comes on over the loudspeaker and is like, okay, we are officially in Nevada airspace. So hey. everyone <laughs> write your seat number on a dollar bill and I'll come and collect them all up and someone's going to win some money. We're playing Keno, you cunts. I've flown into Nevada tons of times. I've never gotten to never, do that. Never, <laughs> So we had a couple bucks and like, you know, you didn't have to participate, but 60 people did. She just came around with one of those trash bags. I think it was actually 80 because I think it was like a hundred seat plane and it was like almost everyone did it. So. Okay. I'm, I, don't care. I could yeah. be misremembering. It's been a long time. So <laughs> they collect up all the money and uh, they just draw out a dollar and Sean's dollar got pulled. And um, then we land in Reno. We get off the plane, and my dad picks us up. I'm like, we have to go to the bank because I have a bag full of one dollar bills. <laughs> I, was- I have a bag full of stripper money, <laughs> laundering money from Chicago. Yeah, it was just a trash bag with loose bills in it, <laughs> with numbers written on them. Sean's luck is infinite. I don't really consider myself all that lucky. You can't see my face, but I'm looking at my microphone with in. Crudelity. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as far as bad experience, I mean, I think we've all had really, really bad flights before. I had one fairly recently when I was supposed to land in Toronto at like 10 p.m. and ended up finally getting there at 7 a.m. the next day. Yeah. And that whole time was spent in airports. So that Not was fun. Um, Don't fly Air Canada, people. <laughs> I. It's, it's, it wasn't a bad flight for me. It was for Alex, where we left from Florida. Like, the flight was delayed two hours. Mm-hmm. Landed in Houston and had to be at our exit in five minutes. <laughs> so, like, we stood up and actually the people in front of us let us go. <laughs> so we ran through the Houston airport. And if you've been to the Houston airport, very big. Yeah, it's a big one. Alex ended up, we ended up getting to the, they were close. They had already closed the door. They let us back into the plane. Ooh, yeah. that's rare. And Alex threw up in a bag because <laughs> <laughs> she had to run so hard to get there. Jeez. Flew up in the pilot's hat. And then they were like, after all, no. <laughs> well, but it, it, like, it was like, that seems very lucky to me. But for Alex, like she, she just, was just, I hate that. Just imagine like these two people show up to the plane last minute. They're all like sweaty and disheveled. And one of them throws up and then they went onto a plane. <laughs> well, no, like we got onto the plane. Then she threw up in the little bag. I'm just saying you look like patient zero. <laughs> <laughs> but we like almost everybody in front of us. Like we had been talking about how, oh, my God, we're going to miss our flight. And the people had passed it on. Aww. Humanity can be good. And then we ran and ran and ran. And for some reason, the flight attendants were like, we've already shut this flight down, but come on in. Yeah, I had the opposite experience where I was going to visit Kelly. And at that time, they had a rule. They had a rule that you had to be at the airport an hour before the plane took off. And this was out of Reno. Reno has just a pathetic airport. It's got like. It's better now. well, I, it's, not, it's not. It's not that it's bad. It's that it's small and nobody uses it. There's never anyone it's, there. It's so, international, <laughs> I guess. So I get up to the gate, and it's about an hour before my flight. And there's like eight switchbacks, and I'm the only person there. And there's like two people waiting at the front desk, and I'm like, "Oh, this is funny." And I'm just like, "Teehee," working my way through all these switchbacks. Like, isn't it silly <laughs> that I have to get through all this? And then I get to the front, and I was like, "Hey, I want to check in." And she's typing, typing, typing. And she goes, 
Yeah, you have to be an hour before your flight, and you're not, so I'm not going to let you on the plane. I, was, I looked at my watch, and it was 59 minutes. Jeez. I was like, I literally, if if you didn't have eight switchbacks here, I would have been here an hour before. I'll just walk through the ropes. How about fuck off? Yeah. yeah, and I was like, and there's no one here. I'm like, there's no one here. Like, I could get back and forth to the gate 15 times in the next hour. And she was just like, nope, not going to let you on the plane. Jeez. And so my I had to catch the next plane and hang out in the airport for like four hours because this lady yes. was a cunt. Well, not <laughs> only that, but he was flying into Detroit, uh, which was, what, an hour, two hours away from me? Yeah. I think it was like an hour yeah. and a half. And I had changed my work shift so that I could go pick him up. But uh. now he was coming in later right in the middle of my work shift. So I had to get two of my buddies to go get him who had never met him and who he had never met. So poor Sean just had to like get in a car with some random strangers. I think the weirdest flight I ever had, I was flying to a uh, writing convention out of Seattle, but Seattle has like a really strong and established writing scene and uh lots of people were going to this convention and as a res- and i know most of the people in the scene and as a result i knew half the plane <laughs> and just like like it hadn't been organized or planned or anything we were just like everyone knew each other and like it was like this warm conversational a- atmosphere and the people who weren't part of this were super confused <laughs> i know adam <laughs> like we're not on a plane. It doesn't count. Damn I it. ended up like sharing a taxi with Greg Bear. It was very strange. So if nobody has any more personal stories, we'll move on to what are your morals worth? So as I mentioned, no commercial plane has ever been landed by a passenger. But what if that did come up and you had to do it? Now you get to talk to the control tower and they will talk you through what to do. But you have to land the plane. I just wanted to fly a plane. <laughs> Are there any other passengers on board? Yep. Oh, no. It's a full plane. But I'm the only one willing to make the risk? Yep. Or I guess plane. let's say they're offering an amount of money for someone to land this plane. How much do they need to offer until you stand up? Ooh. Only $500. Ooh. <laughs> I want to fly a plane. The Mythbusters tried this, but I can't remember if they succeeded or not. Mm, totally. I'm not going to tell you because I do remember. <laughs> yeah, they tried. Well, they, they did a flight simulator, but it was like a super high tech one. And I remember they did it without and with guidance. And I do not remember if they succeeded. When I was in middle school, we had Microsoft Flight Simulator, like a full booth. Yeah. In our uh, tech lab. How many of you ended up stealing planes? (laughs) Three. I don't even like driving a car. (laughs) If there was no other passengers on board, I'd be much more willing to give it a shot, especially because nobody else could volunteer. If the rest of these people aren't going to take it, it'd be like a a sweaty, shaky mess at the end of it all. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want any interviews until I get a shower and a shirt. Adam, every, every day I'm a sweaty, shaky mess, so let's just go for it. Fine, you take your five hundred dollars. <laughs> oh, you co-pilot all all those people's lives just worth five hundred dollars to you. Well, the good news is, if you fail, you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> so no interviews. <laughs> you won't feel guilty, but you also won't get the money. Mm. I can't leave the money to you. Uh, I, I was just joking. That <laughs> might be one of the rules. Power it's- slide the plane. <laughs> can you land these upside down? I'll bet you can land them upside down. Loose sparks, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> 
Landing I'm, gear, we're not on easy mode. I'm gonna say like twenty thousand. Yeah. Like what does that what does a pilot make a year? <laughs> I want to make good? that ten minutes. <laughs> I should get some portion of his uh, Yeah, you said you get you want five hundred dollars for I'm it. I'm taking the five hundred, but you should get some portion. <laughs> $500 in the captain's hat. Ooh, and one of those little pins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get your wings. I'm a little captain. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I could do this, but I also feel like if I screw it up, <laughs> it's going to be bad. So it's just the danger quotient that's making it higher. And going to be bad for you much longer. <laughs> but with, with the tower helping, I feel like it's very doable. Yeah. Keenan Thompson can do it. Uh, in Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> can I undercut Adam? No. I think I'll just go with Adam. 20,000. That sounds good. I'm fine with so, that. So I'm really good at following instructions. Mm-hmm. So as long as they're good at giving instructions. Oh, they're terrible at it. <laughs> You've that's got my the most fear. bubbling tower control. So there's a lever off to your right, or maybe it's your left. I think it has a green handle. <laughs> I'm colorblind. It's either red or green. I, said, I meant more, lever. It's more like a toggle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a button, but it slides. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> what do you call that? Yeah, Anyways, you're probably low on fuel now. <laughs> <laughs> there's several lights. <laughs> Hey, where's my sandwich? Yeah, like 20 minutes ago. I ordered it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> I picked the wrong day to stop sniffing glue. Look for the light that's 13th from the left and five from the top. <laughs> Look for the light that's plus one, plus three, plus two, plus four. <laughs> it flashes like this. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> it's in Morse code. <laughs> another tower operator. <laughs> I'm just going to bring out the manual at that point. <laughs> So I hope I've provided all the uh, landing services you need today. And if you could stay on the line and give me a five star, I'd really appreciate it. No, <laughs> no, I'm going to be more expensive than any of you. Like I said, I hate driving. It's going to be a million dollars. A million. You can like buy five hundred dollars. I get to I get to fly a plane for twenty seconds. I have never wanted to fly a plane. And you'll make history. Be the first one. Well, how did the MythBusters do? Uh, well, yeah, the. Uh, in the Mythbusters, they tried it by themselves and they crashed. And then they tried it with help and they did just fine. They landed it perfectly. And then the third time, the guy just told them that, like, if you get down to a certain level, there's literally a button you can press that will just land the plane. Oh, so, what? Yeah. Well, damn it. <laughs> I would have charged more knowing there was a button. Yeah, if you get down low enough, you can hit the button for Georgie Boy. Yep. Oh, Georgie boy, the plane, the plane is falling. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all we've got for this week. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks to my co-host. And as always, thanks to Gerard. If you haven't gotten enough of us, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Acid Pop Podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us through our Reddit or email us at acidpoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in, and remember, leave your crocodile at home. Bye.